When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. All right, my friends. All the signs seem to be pointing in one direction right now, and every major media outlet, including ours, is talking about the pending recession. Is one coming? Are we in the start of it already? Those are some big questions. If so, how can we prepare for the economic uncertainty? My guest today is here to discuss how businesses can survive a recession and all things about freedom. We'll get into that in just a minute. Mark Skosen is a nationally known investment expert, economist, university professor and author. In fact, he's listed as one of the top 20 economists in the world. Mark, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey, it's a real pleasure to talk to you about what's going on in the economy. I always love talking to you. We get to talk about politics. We get to talk about the economy. We get to talk about money, success, uh, being an entrepreneur, and a lot of things. And I have to ask you, first of all, being a top 20 in the world, is there a hall of fame for economists? Well, I guess the Nobel Prize is the ultimate uh, wall of fame, if you will, or hall of fame. Uh, and uh, ho however, I have a unique distinction. Uh, Steve Forbes gave me the triple crown in economics for my work in uh, theory, history, and education back in 2018. So that's a unique uh, uh, contribution to economics. But uh, I, I liked, I'd like to think that... Uh, Economists, uh, there's two kinds of economists. There's good economists and there's bad economists, right? And so you hear from both these days. It's hard to distinguish the two. Exactly. So, you know, back in 2005, I noticed that Grantham University announced that they're renaming its school business as the Mark Skolson School of Business. What a great honor. That usually comes because you've either passed away or you've given a large amount of money, which is that. Well, I did. Uh, <laughs> I'm very rich in pesos. If, let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, I do have an announcement, though. Uh, I was just appointed uh, the uh, a, a new endowed chair at Chapman University for free enterprise that was put together by Jim Doty, and uh, uh, who's the former president of uh, Chapman University, and. Uh, and also uh, Ron uh, Spugley, who is a money manager and former ambassador to Italy. So I consider that a real feather in my cap that I was able to obtain this new chair. So I'm supposed to go around and uh, preach free enterprise to wherever whoever will listen. And I'm looking forward to that uh, opportunity. Well, free enterprise is what's kept this country great and will continue to make it the, the leader it is in the world. Now, you've also championed a more comprehensive measure of economic activity called gross output. Can you give us an overview of this? 
Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that GDP, which is the standard measure of our economy, only covers final or finished goods and services. So it leaves out the supply chain completely. And as you know, the supply chain has been in the news quite a bit in terms of shortages and problems and so forth. So gross output is a measure of total spending in the entire economy, not just final output. And it's actually double. It's more than double the size of GDP itself. So there's lots of stages of production in the production process, in the supply chain, as you know, and we're measuring it. And uh, in 2014, I mean, I've been advocating this since I wrote a book called The Structure of Production in 1990. And finally, in 2014, the BEA, the Bureau of Economic Analysis that puts out GDP, has uh, announced that every quarter they're also going to measure GO. So I see GO as the top line in national income accounting. GDP is the bottom line. They're complementary, but they tell different stories. And what's interesting is that GO is still doing very well while GDP, uh, real GDP declined, showing a recession in the first quarter. Consumer spending was down. Business spending, B2B spending, actually increased dramatically in real terms, it was up 12% in the first quarter. So that says to me that maybe our call for a deep or severe recession is way overblown. I do think we're headed for a recession, but I don't think it's going to be uh, as bad as everybody thinks it is. And uh, so that's a bit of good news that, uh, for the Biden administration. They need something for good news. And and, and that need, one was really surprising. Yeah, they need something. In fact, I was listening to the former uh, Fed chair saying if you put it on a scale of one to 100, he thinks the recession is going to be a 60 to 70, for, you know, a 60 to 70 kind of range. What do you what do you think is the current state of the economy right now? So I think we're in uh, pretty much of a slowdown, but it's a slowdown in terms of uh, consumer spending. Uh, it's a slowdown in terms of uh, uh, real estate. Uh, it's ob obviously a bear market in uh, stocks. And the stock market is a leading indicator. And so that is suggesting a recession. But look, we had eight years uh, gee, since 2009. We've had uh, easy money policies, ZERP, a zero interest rate policy, quantitative easing. There's a very good book out, by the way, called uh, The Lords of Easy Money. And in this book, the author points out that uh, Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen were both the super bulls on quantitative easing of, and keeping interest rates extremely low to get the economy going. And, and as a result, as the author points out, uh, we got these asset bubbles instead. And the economy is, did finally pick up, but still nowhere near what the long-term economic growth rate has been of 3 to 4%. So uh, we're paying a high price now with this asset bubble that we saw in the technology stocks. Tesla is an example of it getting way over, uh, over its real value and then dropping. And, and we've seen this across the board. So what comes up has to come down. It was an unsustainable boom. And, and, and we're gonna see it in real estate as well with uh, mortgage rates now approaching 6%. C-Suite Radio. I guess the biggest question on everyone's mind, is it really coming? Is it going to happen? There are some people saying no, some people saying yes. It sounds like you're saying, yep, we're going to have one. And do you have a timing for that? 
Right. So uh, GDP, the official definition of a recession is two quarters in a row of, of negative real GDP. Uh, and we, we had the first quarter of a, mi a minus 1.6%. Uh, uh, we saw consumption declining. We saw government spending actually uh, decline slightly, if you can believe that. Uh, and, uh, and, but business spending is still uh, pretty solid. I think the supply chain shortages are being gradually dealt with by free enterprise. They are very good at eliminating shortages by raising prices and encouraging greater output and so forth. So. I think the second quarter uh, GDP is, is expected to be somewhat negative, but I think that's it. I think the evidence is pretty strong from my gross output statistic that the recession is going to be mild. It's not gonna be as severe as we thought it would be. And I think one of the reasons is despite all the radical proposals that the Biden administration has pushed through uh, or tried to push through, they have failed. and. Uh, we have uh, Senator Joe Manchin to thank for it, to fight some of these radical proposals. So we're still living under the corporate uh, tax cuts uh, that uh, Trump pushed through, uh, a somewhat deregulated environment. Now, I don't like what the Biden administration is doing to, uh, to fight fossil fuels and uh, uh, non-renewable uh, oil and gas. Uh, that's, that's causing one of the reasons why we're having this recession is the super high price of uh, oil and gas and gasoline at the pump. So, um, so that's that's what we're that's what's holding us back, or some of these temporary things. And I think the war, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, has had an impact on agricultural prices, on oil and gas prices. There's a lot of factors there that are short term that will go away once the war ends, and hopefully that'll be soon. Well, we all hope for that. And I, I appreciate the, the good advice that you're giving us and at least the, the prediction that it's not going to be as bad as we think. What about, isn't um, unemployment figure into those figures as well when you're looking at a recession? Well, that's the interesting thing. There's really no evidence of, uh, of rising unemployment. And the reason is because, uh, because of the lockdown, uh, we are still suffering from a labor shortage. Uh, and uh, the government offering all these freebies for people to not work, uh, that has been a key factor. So this recession is very different. Can you imagine a recession where uh, goods and services are not being produced as much, uh, but there's no increase in unemployment? And the reason is, is because of this uh, artificial uh, effort to uh, in inflation of raising, uh, raising the cost of labor and so uh, the labor shortage, I, I don't think that's going away anytime soon. So it, it yeah. is a unique uh, recession. And maybe this is one of the reasons why the recession is not going to be as severe as, as the stock market suggests. Well, we had two years to kind of prepare for it, quite frankly, in terms of the shutdowns that we saw across the country with COVID. And I think a lot of these baby boomers, don't you think these baby boomers just said, I'm out? And we're seeing that certainly with some of the early retirements in the airline industry, we're seeing those play out daily. Well, that's for sure. I mean, we're concerned. Uh, our Freedom Fest conference is occurring in, in a couple of weeks in Las Vegas. And, you know, we have uh, 350 speakers coming in. We have 2,000 attendees. And how many of them are going to be delayed 
where uh, airlines are being canceled uh, as, as because they have staffing problems. And the reason they have staffing problems is because they've imposed these ridiculous rules on new pilots coming on board. They have to have like 2000 miles of uh, uh, flight hours uh, before they can be certified. There's a shortage of, uh, uh, of pilots. There's a shortage of uh, staffing. Uh, uh, flight attendants. And uh, so this, this again, is a problem that the free market would solve right away if the government would just get out of the way. Always, if the government would get out of the way. We like that in business, right? So let me ask you, <laughs> how can businesses prepare and, and, and somehow are going to have to survive, even though it's a mild recession, even though, you know, we say it's going to be mild, there's still going to be some economic upheaval for some industries and some businesses. How can they prepare? What can they do, Mark? Uh, well, uh, one thing I've really been impressed with, with uh, major corporations, it's very different than 2008, 2009, which was the last time that we suffered from a severe recession. And that is they've built up a very strong cash position. I mean, you look at all the major uh, companies, whether it's Amazon or Microsoft or Apple, Facebook and so on, they've got billions of dollars in cash that they can... Uh, uh, rely on in, in case this uh, recession lasts longer than we expect. That's a real positive. They've also been engaged in a lot of cost cutting. Um, and uh, I think that, that those, are, those are the key factors. And of course, the other thing that they need to do though is spend some of that money making sure they get the best talent out there because with the labor shortage, you're gonna have to raise wages you're going to have to raise salaries. You're going to have to uh, offer stock options. Uh, those are the things that companies need to do while they cut costs where they can. They need to be willing to pay extra to get the best employees because there is this scarcity out there. And the other thing is uh, uh, we're hoping to see a, a, a ruling by the courts in favor of more immigration, of legal immigration, of top quality talent. Because the great thing about America, making it American exceptionalism has been the ability to bring in the best and the brightest immigrants, uh, whether it's Elon Musk or uh, uh, Natala from uh, Microsoft or what have you, we need to keep that flowing uh, and, and reaching out for the best and the brightest, not only here in the United States from the top universities, but from overseas. I think those are th three great suggestions there. We make sure you got a lot of cash, tighten the belt, get rid of those expenses that you really just don't need. And then three, go always get great talent. I'd say those work even in a non-recession. Those are three great suggestions to be able to do for anybody. Just, just harder to do now than it, than it has been in the past. And a must have, you must have to do this. What's the number one tip that you have that every business to get ahead right now? If you told them one thing, what would it be? Boy, uh, in terms of actual business activity, I do think that you have to be long-term. Uh, you can't just think of the short-term. Uh, there are many examples of companies that say, oh, we're really gonna cut back everywhere we can. We're gonna lay off a bunch of workers because we're facing a shortage. And that can be short-sighted. You have to think, well, what is the, what does your customer want five years from now? Uh, what does your customer want just a few years from now? Are you gonna be prepared 
you're going to have to do some R&D. You're going to have to have the best product out there. So don't think short term. I think the key is to look beyond this recession to the boom that's going to happen. Remember, in November, we're going to see Capitol Hill taken over by a more responsible group of politicians, of legislators. The Democrats have been too radical in their proposals, and they're going to be kicked out in November. That's my prediction. I think the evidence is overwhelming that that's going to be the case. Americans are not happy with the, what the Democrats have done. So you got to be positive about that. That's they're going to the future is uh, looking better, but even though the present in the short term may seem negative. C-suite radio. Listen, Mark, I've always enjoyed my conversations with you. Does it go back to one of your relatives? Because you're related to Benjamin Franklin. True, I have uh, I'm sixth generation grandson of Benjamin Franklin the father of American capitalism in many ways. And of course, the grandfather of our nation, George Washington being the father of our nation. Uh, but Ben Franklin is really a great uh, role model in so many ways. Uh, his three virtues uh, were industry, thrift, and prudence. And we can use all three today, can't we? Without, without question, we can do that. So back in 2007, you founded Freedom Fest. I want to talk a little bit about that because I've been able to go there. Last year, I keynoted. This year, I'm going to be keynoting again. Thank you for having me back. I really enjoy this show. It's got a little bit of the left, a, little, a, lot, of, a lot of the right, and a little bit in between, but I found it to be a really a great business event. You know, I know you talk a lot about politics. You do some of that, but it's really a business show. I tell people it's a deal-making um, convention, and that's why I love going so much. That's true. I don't think we could survive if we just were a straight libertarian conference or a conservative. Uh, the reason we're uh, so successful, I think, is because we do have our financial and business section. In fact, our two co-ambassadors to Freedom Fest is Steve Forbes of Forbes Magazine and John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods Markets, and both of them will be and participating at this year's conference. Uh, we have uh, a lot of discussion and debates. Uh, we have a pitch tank type of uh, program where we bring in uh, new entrepreneurs. Uh, I had a, a fellow come up to me at the last conference that we had. He said, yeah, I, uh, I've invested $100 million in your various deals of uh, your businesses and your pre-IPO private placements that, that are available. I mean, I don't know if he was telling me the truth or not, that seems like an awful lot of money. But, but, there, but, it does but Mark, I can tell you, but Mark, I can tell you, there are those kinds of people walking around. I mean, there's entrepreneurs walking around. I actually helped judge that pitch tank contest, you know, and, but you've got the chairman of Whole Foods. We had the vice chairman of, of Verizon there on the board uh, was part of that. You had some other great entrepreneurs that were, that were doing that, but walking around that meeting, you run into these people as well as you know, Senator Paul Rand's gonna be there. Senator Lee from Utah is there. John Cleese, you've got John Cleese coming. <laughs> Explain to me why we have John Cleese coming. Well, John Cleese, the British uh, comedian and producer is very much in the uh, uh, opposition of the cancel culture that is going on uh, not only among uh, comedians, but uh, in social media as well and uh, in, in production and writings and books and movies and all that sort of thing. And uh, 
I think he is really an important spokesperson to say, hey, listen, I've been around a long time and free speech is absolutely essential in today's society. And uh, so that's the reason we have him coming. And uh, we, we actually have a, a VIP reception and that's sold out almost immediately. I mean, th there's a lot of interest in him coming across the pond. As they say, he's British and we're looking forward to he hearing him speak. We also have some really great debates. You know, we do a financial conferences as well as about the stock market and, and businesses that are, are publicly traded. Uh, we have a crypto debate with John Mackey and Alex Green are gonna be uh, uh, arguing that it's a dot-com bubble. And then there's others who say, no, uh, you know, there's something once, once this, once the bear market ends, you're going to have really legitimate companies in that crypto space. So new technology is where it's at. I do think a lot of investors are wondering, is the 1920s going to be a bust or are we going to have another roaring 20s? I'm, I'm more in the latter in terms of the new technologies that are out there that we don't even know uh, will, will make a difference. So you know, we, we, don't, we don't just ride the wave. In a lot of ways, Freedom Fest invents the wave because we have new people coming on board telling us what's going on. You know, the great thing about Freedom Fest, the reason I started in 2007 was because we're all like, like a herd of cats going in all kinds of different directions. We're all very busy in our lives, but can we take two or three days, maybe four days out of our busy schedule and all come together in Las Vegas, July 13th through the 16th at Freedom Fest, and uh, learn from each other, network, uh, socialize, and celebrate liberty and what's what's left of liberty. Yeah, and it's a great a great opportunity to do a little business. As I said, just like the C-Suite Network, we are one of the partners here at Freedom Fest, and we're excited about being there. And I just I love freedom of thought and I don't care what you think, you know, how you think left, right, middle, what doesn't make a difference. That's what I love about going to the Freedom Fest because you get to talk with everybody there. Hey, Mick, well, I, I, I would very be... importantly, if I can mention this very quickly, is that uh, we don't uh, we have civil debates. We, we don't yeah. demonize anybody. Uh, we let people speak their mind and treat them civilly rather than fighting and insults and all that sort of thing. That's very important. You know, I say at the C-Suite Network, our Scotch Sundays, when we get together, we have a little scotch and we have all those debates you're not supposed to talk about, religion and sex and politics. And I always say, it's not our job to change your mind. It's our job just to understand you. That's that's the cool thing about that. It's great. Hey, Mark, I would be remiss if I didn't have you mention something about the film festival, because I think that's a highlight of, uh, of real, you know, freedom of thought is that film festival. Can you mention something about that? Yes, the Anthem Film Festival is uh, going on now for, this would be our 11th year. My wife, Joanne, has put together a first-class program. Many of these uh, award, uh, films have documentaries and narratives have, have gone on to win uh, additional prizes at other film festivals. And, and, uh, and, and so she's done a great job and she has a lineup uh, this year, which is every year, it's it's hard to beat. Uh, cancel culture, of course, is one of the major topics that she's covering as well. So it's just amazing. Uh, we we have a, a a theater that uh, that she creates at the Mirage, and it's it's going to be really fun to see. Uh, it's just amazing how many people show up and and want to see the latest documentaries and films and so forth. So that's the Anthem Film Festival. That's part of our 
uh, it's a regular part of our uh, Freedom Fest. Yeah, I think one of my favorites is uh, David Tice. He's executive producer. He's a member of the C-Suite Network. He's got one uh, a grid down power up and it's narrated by Dennis Quaid. That's going to be a big one. I hear Dennis might be showing up. I can't wait to be there. Uh, Mark, what, what a pleasure. Well. We're, we're going to, we're going to have to have you back and, and give us an update on how the economy is doing before the end of the year. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us here on all business with Jeffrey Hazel at C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned from our guest. And today with Mark Skousen was no different. He taught us three important things to think about, not only during the recession, but anytime we run our business. Number one, cash is king. We've got to be able to have that cash to get through those tough times and take advantage of some opportunities that might come our way during a recession. Number two was to make sure that we're tightening our belt. We should be doing that anyway as business leaders. That's our job to be the most strategic people in the room. But we want to make sure that we're cutting those expenses wherever we can, especially those marginal ones. And third, we want to be investing in our talent. You should be doing that already, but now's the time to go out and seek great talent and make sure you're paying them what they're worth. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.